you know, he's going around with these angsty teens. You would yep. think that he would try to get them to laugh no, somehow, no. and they would just be like, oh, <laughs> not again, Jesus. Talk about dad jokes. Well, gee, it worked when Joseph said it to me. Right. Yeah, Moses told him all the time. <laughs> In space. Welcome, folks, to our newest episode of Church in Space. In 3D. Man, we are just nailing that. I love it. So, I thought we'd start with this because I stumbled across this question while I was checking online. And the question is this. In science fiction, we get all over the place. We get, like, the Catholic Church in space, you know, or in the future. We get Islam in the future. We get even Judaism in the future. Buddhism in the future. Buddhism in space, you know, like all that kind of stuff. We get all these different religions and denominations, but what we almost never get are Protestants in space, Protestants in the future. So why do you think that is? Why Why don't we have... You know, we have Catholic space empires, but why don't we have... Oh, that's easy. Yeah. That's Mm -hmm. super easy. Mm -hmm. In the future, with the advanced technology and science and knowledge, Uh we know Protestants are wrong. (laughs) The Reformation was pointless, after all. (laughs) This podcast brought to you by the Vatican. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I'm a secret plant. (laughs) Yeah, I knew it. (laughs) I have a couple of answers, but Uh the most obvious one is laziness. Laziness? Okay. Because there's so many other ones out there, like mm-hmm. why would you purposely choose this one when your broader audience would more identify oh, okay. with, not to say mainstream, yeah. but at the same time, Catholic. Even if a Protestant were watch a science fiction right. show, hey, I still at least identify as Christian and I'll kind of follow mm-hmm. it. So it's just a lot more Catholics out yeah. there, mm-hmm. and even non-Catholics have an idea of how the Catholic Church should work, but yeah. boy, would you have trouble explaining what Lutheranism is to most people yeah. Yeah. kind of thing. But then you can't have potlucks. You would have to go like planet to planet to planet with this food. I mean, right. granted, if you had like replicators, it'd be fine. The future's always a dystopia because there's no potlucks in exactly. the future. <laughs> that brings up a very valid point, yeah. right? You never do see potlucks in future sci-fi. Yeah. No. Where are the jello molds? Mm-hmm. Where are the casseroles? Mm-hmm. They're never in future editions of sci-fi. Yeah. Where's our Italian pasta salad from Kroger's with the broccoli <laughs> and everything in it? We don't see that in the future. No, no. What's happening here is it's a cultural thing. Okay. What we found is that Protestantism, especially mm-hmm. Lutheranism is a great example, mm-hmm. cannot exist without jello molds and casseroles. <laughs> mm-hmm. And yeah. so you go into space, those aren't there. Lutheranism, therefore, cannot exist. I think we hit it. Okay. That struggles to explain how Lutheranism started, because I'm pretty sure Luther didn't have a jello mold. Yeah, but he had beer. Katie uh, did. Yeah, Katie had a jello mold. Yeah, but then com- that comes back to like the alcohol, too, because you have synthahol, but right. you don't have like actual alcohol. And that's another thing. Like, How do you do communion in space without wine? That's an interesting... Right, would synthahol Ooh. count for... Communion. That, yeah. That, that would be actually an interesting philosophical question. That is. 10, 15 years ago, there was that Archbishop of the Cincinnati Diocese mm-hmm. ruled that this girl who had very, very, very high allergy to gluten, yeah. almost deadly to her, mm-hmm. he would not allow her to have a communion wafer that was yeah. not made out of wheat. So by that bishop's definition, mm-hmm. if it's not made out of what it's traditionally made out of, it doesn't count. Right. So... A synthetic wine, it's not made out of grape, it's made out of replicator goo, (laughs) therefore would not count as holy wine. 
what are your opinions on this? <laughs> <laughs> Because we kind of just glo- you yeah. just kind of you glossed over over there, and we, I, I really want to know your opinions because <laughs> I, I can see the gears going, and you're just like the Sinta Hall one would be a hard one. I'm not sure what the actual like rule would be there. I because yeah, you said before yeah. we yeah. can serve grape juice in lieu of wine yeah. because yeah. the biblical directive is fruit of the vine. Uh, it's not even a, right like the traditional directive. Yeah. I would yeah. kind of say, you know, I, like there's a tradition thing where like I guess I would say like in the archbishop of Cincinnati or wherever like his case he's right on the merits. I just think it's Jesus isn't that much of a bureaucrat. On the technical merits of the case, he's probably right. I just don't think Jesus is limited. Oh, you didn't have your 1097 wheat form filled out correctly. You know, like I'm not yes. there. And so I have a hard time thinking that there wouldn't be like some kind of spaceship accommodation rule, just like there's accommodation for like sailors at sea yeah. kind of thing. You know, there wouldn't be like a, okay, if you're the chaplain on board the USS Enterprise, you need to serve somebody communion, like Cynthia Hall works yeah. by virtue of conditions at sea. Kind yeah. of a, yeah. Well, and there are several imams who've already ruled that Islamic astronauts right. just bow towards Earth. Towards yeah. Earth, right. right. Pray towards yeah. Earth. Right, wherever Earth is. Because even right. bowing, you're in the weightlessness of space. That's not easy to pull off. Right. Yeah, no, it's not. You also got to think of, from a logistics perspective, if you're on a foreign planet, does that foreign planet have wheat? Does that right. foreign planet have grapes? If it has its own indigenous fauna, right. what would then constitute bread, for that planet wine. as wine? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, right, and that's a whole... Boy, is there a whole other... <laughs> like, that would be interesting, too. Would churches have to, like, carry with them their own little, like, wheat and grape planting supplies mm-hmm. to, like, make sure that whenever we colonized a new planet, there was at least enough wheat and grapes to make wine? Okay, and- so I'm going to pitch a TV idea. Okay. Uh-huh. It's about Lutherans that are colonists, and they have to figure out how to colonize a planet uh-huh. to very specifically... With wheat, with grapes, and uh-huh. like do it by the Bible, but yeah. they have to go to every single planet uh, in the universe. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. Show about pilgrims in space, yeah. various types of pilgrims. Yeah. Right. How do you accommodate traditions that are so clearly Earth based? Right. When you're off of Earth, right. The expanse just barely touched on it. Mm-hmm. One of the subtext subplots mm-hmm. ends up being the Mormons are building this giant colony ship. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the Expanse never explores the logistics of that. It's yeah. just there as a plot device so that the ship can be taken over and used right. yeah. by other forces. But if you were doing that, if you were right. a religious group... And in truth, what I really think is the most interesting part of that storyline is I actually want to know, James Corey, you should write an alternate history of your books <laughs> where like the Mormons actually build their thing and set out. Because I want to know... What on earth are the Mormons planning to do? No, but I had to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I want to know what on earth or off earth they're hoping to do yeah. with that giant ship. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that brings up another point, mm-hmm. right? Which is so many religions or branches of religions mm-hmm. are based on proselytizing, evangelizing, converting. Mm-hmm. But what happens? Like in the case of that ship, that colony, it's a colony ship, which means yeah. it's going to a planet that doesn't have other sentient life. Right. So who are you going to proselytize? Right. Mm-hmm. And well, that would apply to anyone. You know, a Jesuit missionary goes yeah, off into yeah. space. Yeah. If there are no aliens, why? You'd almost face like the same problem the Massachusetts Bay Colony like faced when they settled Massachusetts. The first generation were like hyper-Puritans. But like as the generations went by, they became... 
less and less strict Puritans to the point where like congregationalism and UU come out of that same stream just because they lost that original Protestant conservative zeal, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. after the first generation. Like, would a Mormon colony in Tau City, you know, like in the Expanse, would it be almost, after four generations, would it just be totally unrecognizable, mm-hmm. you know? Also going back to the original point about why it's Catholics and not mm-hmm. Protestants in space, mm-hmm. think about the money. Mm-hmm. Because true. Catholics yeah. are one organization where you have a collection of money going towards one goal. Mm-hmm. Protestants, mm-hmm. there's so many different denominations out there. Not to say they would come together because, you know, we could. But at yeah. the same time, you know, you'd have your Lutheran sects, you have, you know, your Methodists. Mm-hmm. Everyone would go in too many different directions. And because of that, wouldn't establish a specific denomination. Yeah. So where yeah. the money goes. Yeah. There is a hyper-organizational thing that's mm-hmm. just true there about like yeah. the Catholic Church. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Have you ever read the Hyperion novels by Dan, Dan Simmons? No. no. Talk about very theological, actually, in its outlook. It's really interesting. You, we could do a whole series of episodes on the Hyperion novels. So for listeners at home, there is some homework. Yeah, homework. <laughs> read Hyperion. <laughs> and for two of the three co-hosts. Right. <laughs> read Hyperion. It, great sci-fi, but... To that point, like it's set like 500 years in the future where like Earth has basically disappeared. There are humans all over the place now. The point is like the Catholic Church has its own planet Mm. called Pachem. All these organizations have like their own, you know, Judaism has its own planet. And so, yeah, part of it is like just an organizational thing. Like I could Mm -hmm. see a, I could see as an organization, the Catholic being like, we are settling this planet and we're going to rebuild St. Peter's Basilica right here you know pulling back from Mm -hmm. the sci-fi world Mm -hmm. just speaking as a writer yeah it's much more textured Mm -hmm. and interesting to write about something like the catholic church or islam or judaism that is steeped in history and tradition and ritual Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, between the three religions, you've functionally got 1,500 to 3,000 years of steeped and layered history. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm writing, I'm going to want to write about something that has more layering and texture to it. So taping a modern American conservative evangelical prosperity gospel preacher, mm-hmm. eh, that's really not that interesting, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of a flat character. Yeah. Right. But if you get someone who is, say, in a Benedictine monk tradition, right? Yeah. There's 1,700 years of history behind that mm-hmm. person. Right. What does the rule of St. Benedict mean? Yeah. You know, on a starship kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And that's where you get into all the, if I'm Islamic in space, mm-hmm. how do I continue my yeah. praying toward Mecca? Mm-hmm. That is interesting. Yeah. Whereas if it's just a Bible-thumping American preacher— Super church pastor that says god wants me to have this starship and this planet yeah, yeah. it's like <laughs> me to have this planet okay this little one <laughs> and everybody just says no and then the plot's done right, yes. right. You know? he's got the whole world in his hands but he gave this one to be in my hands yes. yeah. <laughs> but See, so yeah. from, from the writer's standpoint yeah. the old religions are more interesting that would make a great tv show though you have <laughs> the prosperity <laughs> gospel preacher is constantly no, 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 no. <laughs> The reboot of Battlestar Galactic touched on that because yeah. it did have a few of that kind of yeah. BG's version of an evangelical preacher. 
Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. But yes. again, it just couldn't carry enough of the plot. Right. You know, without having that rich history. Yeah. yeah. All right now, all I can think about is writing a TV show about Lutherans trying to go out on missionary work and colonize planets. Yeah. <laughs> One season's about, oh, on the other side of the planet, there's Catholics. Cool. What happens yeah. when they finally get to the middle? What happens when they actually encounter an alien race with their own religion uh-huh. and they're doing missionary work, stuff yeah. like that? Now, that begets a whole episode for us right Absolutely. there. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Of what does happen when we meet aliens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They either have their own religion mm-hmm. or they say we have absolute proof that there is nothing else yeah so there's no need for religion or we have absolute proof that this religion is right yeah yeah you know any of the above right yeah what will happen with that right down to the if we know we're right are we only right for us right you know technically Mm -hmm. the bible's very anthropomorphic right so does all the stuff in the bible only apply to humans right they didn't have an atom Mm-hmm. Right, Adam was here, so yeah. they have no original sin. This is the yeah. C.S. Lewis thing, right? Yeah. In, in the space trilogy, is like original sin only exists on Earth, and mm. yeah. all the other planets actually aren't sinful. Yeah, well, <laughs> you I mean, know, and all the other creatures aren't sinful, and so they just don't understand why humans do what they do. because yeah. it just seems so like stupid. <laughs> I mean, you may know the answer to this mm. question. How many times is the word man in the Bible? Oh gosh, a lot. <laughs> Yeah. How much of it is instructions for man? Yeah. Now, granted, right. they, they didn't say anything about instructions for women, but besides <laughs> the point, yeah. instructions for men, how to... Instructions for humans. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. How to build a human. Right. In, in seven days. In seven days. <laughs> right. In 12. No, it's like Rocky Horror. <laughs> in just seven days. I can make you a man. Yes, we went there, folks. It was inevitable. It was inevitable. Rocky Horror. We should have had a countdown for like, it should be like days since Rocky Horror picture was mentioned. (laughs) Zero. (laughs) Right. Either aliens with a completely their other, their own religious system Mm -hmm. or the question would be, would we even be able to recognize an alien religious we mm-hmm. have trouble knowing our own experiences. You know, if alien life is completely and wholly other, completely different than us, would we even be able to recognize what a alien religion yeah. really looked like? We have trouble recognizing other sentient life just on Earth. Right. And we have trouble recognizing past human religious activity Yeah, sometimes. Like, what does it mean when we find those early humans buried with their tools? Was that religious? And so would we be able to even recognize alien religious activity, yeah. you know? Even deeper, what counted as the first humans, right? When did viable souls, yeah. in quotations, right. happen? Did it happen with, not until Homo sapiens sapiens? Did it happen with Neanderthals, with Cro-Magnon, mm-hmm. or Homo erectus, or even further, you know, Australopithecines? Yeah. right. Or the original great ape. Right. When is the soul actually a thing? Yeah. Yeah. You know, how far back do you go? And that has implications, too, for things like abortion, right? Mm -hmm. If it's alive, does it have a soul? Mm -hmm. Well, if that's the case, then yeah, as soon as a gamete is produced, then it's got a soul. But if you're saying, no, 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 not until it's like fully homo sapiens sapiens, Mm -hmm. then do you have to wait till the embryo is fully human? It's beyond the gill stage. It's... Right. Yeah, there's a lot of... Deep implications on this one. Yeah. There's a lot of parsing that could go on there. Yeah. Which is why the Catholic Church's position is yes. <laughs> when when it's fertilized, it is human. And therefore, if it's the instant it's fertilized, uh-huh. then that means the logical conclusion of that is that anything that has life, therefore, has a soul. Yeah, I think they would make the distinction between, like, human 
There's a qualitative difference between human and animal life. I think that's just hubris, though. My life's bigger than yours. Yeah. Part of it's biblical, right? You know, I mean, the Bible's kind of humans get this starring role, (laughs) you know, and and, and so... Creation, starring! Right. Human beings! Human beings! The dog Bible. The The animals that really give me pause are actually elephants. Elephants Mm -hmm. will actually, like, mourn their dead. Mm -hmm. Same thing with crows. Yeah, Yeah, like crows. There's a couple, like uber smart animals that we don't actually think about. We always think about like dolphins and chimps. Yeah. yeah. But like elephants and crows, you know, are actually like, they're straddling a line. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. like you sometimes wonder what's going on there. In an alternate universe where crows became the dominant species. Hey, are you sure that's an alternate universe? (laughs) I don't know. When I'm running in the morning, I look at some of those crows and I think, are we really the dominant? Yeah, well, there's that. (laughs) Then I'm on my bicycle and I'm going faster than them. So yes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I have tools. All right. But a gazelle goes faster than you. So does that mean it's super? I bring in spaceships. (laughs) (laughs) But that's a, it's a valid point, especially the more we're learning, because now we know that elephants actually have a very rich, complex language. Mm -hmm. But again, we didn't recognize it before because it's subaural. Humans right. can't mm-hmm. hear the bulk of their frequencies right. that they communicate on. Right. Would we even be able to recognize alien life? That's the basic assumption of Star Trek and everything is like, oh, yeah, we could recognize alien life. But like, really, would we be able to? Elephants are aliens because they communicate in their own language and they're just observing us. And this is the prime directive. They're just on our planet. Yeah, and then they like forgot. The, like, the, like the whale probe in <laughs> yeah, Star Trek right. 4, right? right? You know, there's going to be a giant elephant probe. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> a giant trunk coming yeah, from space. Right. Oh, no, that's what the Barnum Bailey Circus was. It was just recon. Right. <laughs> That's why he could sell anything. He was an alien. Yes. <laughs> I knew it. It was an elephant control puppet. If you look carefully, there was a trunk going up his back. Right. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. Why did you never see P.T. Barnum from behind? Right. Mm. Right. See, folks, we're solving all the, all the great mysteries on this yes. podcast. Stick with us. Yeah. We're going to change our, our subtitle. It's Church in Space, Answers to Every Conspiracy. Right. Maybe. Except maybe. the ones we're behind. Right. Shh. <laughs> That's why you just say maybe. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> All right, so on to our game. So our game today is what is your favorite sci-fi sport? Drew came up with this one. This is a good one. So what is your favorite sport in science fiction or fantasy? See, this is tough for me because I hate sports in real life. (laughs) So I I have no inclination to like them in fictional life. Okay, I have a really random one. I'll start with mine. So did you ever play Final Fantasy X? No. Yes. Yes. So you know that like the sphere game they play where mm-hmm. they're like in the water. It's like a giant sphere of water and they're playing like basically water levitating water polo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I thought that would be awesome simply because the engineering it would be required to build that levitating giant sphere of water in like something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> I thought that was a really cool sport. So that's mine. That would work. Mm-hmm. Drew. Okay. Dan Please tell me yours is not pot racing. Okay, it's not now. Okay, mm-hmm. good. I'll tell you why I was going to go with that. Okay. Well, because I was going to say that would be like the low, low hanging fruit. Mm-hmm. And that's just, you can just yell, this is pot racing. <laughs> or let's, you know, let's spin. But Tron. Oh. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. come on. Like that the would, light cycles? Like light racing. cycles. Yeah. Like, 
disc throwing. Yeah, yeah, everything about Tron. I mean, I had the video game when they did. Oh, what was what was the new one called? Oh, Tron Legacy. Legacy. Yeah, yeah when yeah, yeah. Legacy came out, I got the uh, Legacy game on Nintendo Wii, <laughs> and you know, you know that wasn't as bad a movie as I like. It's not. It's actually I, not like that bad a movie. It's well, like, also oh. the soundtrack is like really awesome. Uh huh. Like right. Daft Punk did the soundtrack. Right. Yeah, I agree. The soundtrack. This is one of the times we are not in unanimity, though. I thought the movie itself sucked. It had elements that were good. Yeah. Yeah. But from a scripting standpoint, like when Tron turns around from the dark side, Mm -hmm. but there's nothing nothing that built toward it. It's just like, we're in the final moments of the battle. Oh, I'm going to switch sides because the user. Tron, what have you become? I fight for the users. Where? Where did that come from, Tron? Hello? Right. You know, it just... From a script writing standpoint, mm-hmm. it was DOA. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like some of that had to do with the studio. Because I feel like there was a lot of yeah. potential in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there was that, well, you need to change this to this. Yeah. I feel like, not to say if they had it came out with a director's cut, it would be completely different. But yeah. if they retook that basic script and redid it, I yeah. think they could expand mm-hmm. on it and make it a completely awesome that's, movie. That's one of my issues with Hollywood. You yeah. never know what's left on the cutting room floor. Right. Mm-hmm. And studio execs. It's like, how many versions of Blade Runner do we have? Yeah, exactly. You know, like, but studio execs are not good editors. And I think yeah. they have so many movies that I, and maybe Rotten Tomatoes or whatever, think are really bad. Mm-hmm. May have originally been pretty good, mm-hmm. but yeah. the execs took out too many critical scenes. I mean, right? look at the Snyder Cut. Granted, no one really needs to be sitting around watching one movie for six hours. <laughs> Unless yeah. it's Lord of the Rings. <laughs> but, I mean, it kind of felt like that, though. It felt like... Well, very... it was a different movie. Yeah, know? yeah it was. I mean, like, it was like actually a different... Not that I like the DC Universe very much. You know, It wasn't just like adjustment. I know a lot of people say it doesn't, but for me, it worked. Yeah. Precisely because of what I just complained about. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It actually had character development right. as a result. Right. Whoa, really? Now I know why yeah. Aquaman's so dang surly. Right. Yeah. 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 It's like, thank you. Okay. <laughs> I, I get it now. Yeah. You know, yeah. as opposed to these characters just popping up in the theatrical release. Yeah. yeah. Character development. That gets right. us back to our original question mm-hmm. on why these long-term religions, mm-hmm. yeah. the more orthodox religions are the ones that are mm-hmm. portrayed. If you treat them as characters- They've got all these millennia of character development mm-hmm. that's richness to draw on. So mm-hmm. again, as a writer, that's just more interesting. More interesting. Mm-hmm. Yep. But yeah, I like that. Tron. Yeah. Tron, Tron's excellent game. Yeah. Yeah. And again, because of my ignorance of sports and the fact that I tune out when sports things mm-hmm. happen in sci-fi, the reason I was going to go with pod racing wasn't because of the pod racers. It was because of the culture Lucas oh. put mm. around pod racing. Yeah. The fandom. Right. Cheering. That was very real to me. But what I loved most of all Mm -hmm. was that one person was both the play-by-play announcer and the color commentator. Oh, jeez. The fact they had a two-headed creature doing that. was like, yeah, I like that. I like that. I mean, swoop bike racing from Kodor was so much better than pod racing. (laughs) Why isn't there hover cycle motocross? At the Stormtrooper Academy. Why haven't you seen any Stormtroopers with little, like, merit badges of what they did at the Academy? (laughs) Because they'd all die. Well, yeah. (laughs) They would miss everything. Right. Like, miss everything. But, like, I could just see, like, a a Stormtrooper doing a downhill slalom and just miss every single thing. Yeah, right. It was like, uh... Yeah, a biathlon with Stormtroopers. Right. They could run it, but every every single target would get missed. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Damn. (laughs) Yeah. 
So then a Hawkeye Stormtrooper would just be able to hit one thing. Uh, <laughs> he's the greatest marksman that's ever lived. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I, I like all those answers. Those are good answers. Yeah. Going back to our opening question, uh-huh. that reminded me of things like Neil Gaiman and Garth Ennis. Mm-hmm. I love how they envision both heaven and hell. Mm-hmm as huge bureaucracies. <laughs> mm-hmm. And maybe it's because the Catholic Church is the world's first mega bureaucracy. Right. Yeah, yeah it was a worldwide bureaucracy, yeah. yeah. There's something that really clicks. Yeah. Lewis has that, too, in the screw tape letters, where it's it's like a government bureaucracy. That, yeah, screw tape is the undersecretary for temptation, you know? <laughs> <And> like <laughs> It's this whole giant government bureaucracy. Yeah. That, you have like, quarterly goals you have to meet. Right, you know? yeah. Yeah, torture this many people. Right. If not, right. here's your punishment. Right. right. Well, and that's how it yeah. works in the screw tape letters. Like, literally, if you don't do this, we starve, you know, because Lewis's theory is that the demons in hell actually feed off the souls. Ooh. And so mm. part of the, one of the thrusts of the book is that the food quality isn't as good because there aren't great sinners, the super evil people anymore, but mm. there's just a lot of mediocrely evil people, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so, like, that the food quantity is getting better, but the quality is worse. Yeah. You know, it's just this whole thrust of the book. It's really interesting. The sole version of fast food now. Yeah, you know? right, basically. But then the social media happens, so you know you, their food supply now will be so much better because of social media, right? Well, it's like, I think, like... <laughs> right? It's a flavor enhancer, yeah. Yeah, no, like, I can see, yeah. like, a demon creating a deep fake of I a know. TikTok. Yeah, right. <laughs> and getting everyone in trouble. Right. But, like, I think Lewis's point, there's the truly evil great sinner and even like mm-hmm. social media doesn't encourage that it just mm-hmm. kind of makes you mediocrely evil yeah you know and it's and, through deception not through yeah, motivation really right from the book's perspective there aren't great there's not a hitler or a stalin or somebody like that there's just a bunch of mediocre sinners which is almost worse cuz lewis makes this point about evil that the great good and great evil are made out of the same substance mm-hmm. you know that like the greatest saints are actually closer to the greatest sinners. Mm. If you just r- keep everybody rooted in mediocrity, you're preventing like the great saints as much as you are the oh. great sinners. It's an interesting concept. That is mm. a cool concept. St. Bernard would talk about the fact that even as much as he was revered by the people in his mm-hmm. abbey, yeah. he said routinely, I'm tempted all the time. Yeah. Well, and you look at Mother Teresa's diaries, talk about experiencing this great silence from God for most of her life. And yet she forges on. Yeah. Right. Forged on. Right. And this could probably be a whole nother discussion, but if the soul is eternal, mm-hmm. then what happens, like in C.S. Lewis's case, if demons feed on souls or yeah. things like Elric of Melnibone, mm-hmm. Michael Moorcock's great antihero, mm-hmm. and had his sword... That's part of how he killed you with the sword. If the sword cut into you, it ate mm-hmm. your soul. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, how does that figure if a soul is actually eternal? How could you feed off of it? Well, the Bible kind of thinks of it you as like a tripartite self. You have like spirit, soul, and flesh. Mm. And they require like mm. all three parts to be like functional together. Without body, your soul doesn't actually work, which is why the resurrection from the dead is a physical resurrection. And why it's so critical then for eternal life. Right. It's because okay. you actually need the the physicality. The soul requires the body as much as the body requires the soul. But then is it like Philip Jose Farmer's River World, where the, yeah. the body can be reconstructed. You don't need your original body. Right. Yeah. Well, right. So obviously, right, like Jesus's body works differently. Like they don't recognize him. He walks through yeah. walls. 
there was an early church theologian named Origen who thought everybody's resurrected body was going to be a, just a sphere. Hmm. <laughs> it's like oh, cool. It's like the hmm. sphere was the perfect shape, and so all our resurrected bodies were, were just going to be spheres, like floating like Sargon hmm. on Star Trek. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like floating around. <laughs> That's what the resurrected body was. <laughs> kind of cool. Yeah. yeah, but kind of boring too. Right? It's a really spending cool. eternity as a balloon. Origen's a weird dude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. All I can think about right now is like Legend of Zelda, where you have to get the Triforce yeah. in order to get resurrected. You have to get yourselves yeah, right. in Triforce. Right, 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 right. And on that <laughs> note, may you all be spherical souls <laughs> <laughs> as we end our time together here. So that's Church in Space, folks. In 3D. Oh, got it down. That's awesome. Hey, Dan. Mm-hmm. Did you bring the light cycle this time? Or did you leave it in the shop again? I fight for the users. Okay.